0: Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal.
1: Here we are, sitting at South by Southwest since the beginning stages of it. I think it would be only appropriate that, given the traffic of startups and people offering resources to startups, one of the things I would be curious about from a marketing and business standpoint is... The systems that you would advocate that startups put in place in order to grow sustainably. And then I can talk a little bit about sort of what they should do or what I think they should do from a legal perspective in terms of things that I've seen trip businesses up because it's hard enough to grow and scale a business. Entrepreneurship is volatile enough. The last thing you want to do is trip yourself. So from a legal perspective, I can talk about some of those things, but for my own benefit and curiosity, especially as we move through some of our own entrepreneurial endeavors, are you work with a ton of startups. So we'd just be really interested to know: startup comes to you, they have no systems in place, single founder. What does the CJ system look like in terms of how, how do we get this business off the ground and growing sustainably? That is an amazing question. And before we get into that, welcome to <laughs> South
0: by Southwest Thank at you. the Thank you yes, experts. Podcast interview, main stage panels, that was Noah Heisman on the mic. This is his first South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And he just experienced the traffic that you have to deal with when you're coming downtown. But that is an amazing question. And it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with only because there's information overload when it comes to when you want to start anything. So it's what courses should you take? What coaches should you hire? Who should you listen to? Who shouldn't you listen to? And that's where I like to just narrow it down to keeping it extremely simple. Like at the end of the day, business is how much money are you spending versus how much you're making at the simplicity of it. So finance should come number one, you should be understanding like personally first, like what are your financial, what is your financial outlook look like? Are you even tracking your expenses? Are you keeping track of what you're spending every month, where you're spending it, why you're spending it in those Different areas. And if you can't keep track of your personal finances, how are you going to grow and scale a business? The lifeblood and the fuel of any business is cash flow. And understanding finance is a major thing that I see people not doing when they first come into the world of entrepreneurship. There's a great book by Mike Malkowitz called Profit First. Um, It just basically talks about how you should be putting money away as you're making it. And whether you like the book or don't like the book and the principles in it, I think the main principle that I took away from it is that it teaches you right when you have a dollar coming in, you need to be allocating that in a strategic way. And I think most people let a dollar come in and then let $5 go out. And it's like this, it's the the analogy that I look at it like is having a, Let's say you're Santa Claus and you have a bag of presents and you're constantly filling it, there's a hole at the bottom. So you never feel like you're getting anywhere and you're just treading water. So as I work with a lot of small businesses and I would say males and females that are leaving the corporate world to start their own thing, the number one thing that they struggle with is finances above and beyond that. After you learn how to manage your own finances and learn a little bit about what it's like to run your own business, the next thing would definitely be project management and a database. So what I mean by that is you need to be collecting all of your information somewhere, all of your IP somewhere. And when you go to the corporate world, like you're as a corporate lawyer, you already come into an infrastructure that's put together. So you're saving your documents on computers that if they fire you tomorrow, like the documents are still there on the computer they're in the the shared drive that they'd already created. Now, when you're a new business owner, you don't have that. So you have to figure out how to build that yourself because that's the only way you can scale. So a good instance and an example is Noah and I have a mobile sauna, right? And when we want to share documents for that sauna, whether it's an agreement that people have to sign before they get in the sauna or it's financial statements or it's content, which we shoot a lot. Where does all that sit so that I'm not texting Noah, yo, where is this? So that's an easy example that anybody can align with and figure out themselves. Google drive or Dropbox is where you can start. Then it's project management on a daily basis. Like, what are we working on? Where's the end goal? So we need to have some type of system, whether it's Trello, Asana, Yash is in the building right now. He loves notion. We call him Yoshin, the master of. uh, all the what notion. You know about <laughs> In, that, I mean, In the the ocean. <laughs> but yeah, so you need to have some type of project management system. And I would say the most important one that is intangible and this goes above and beyond money and, and databases and project management is people. If you don't have core values and you haven't sat down and asked yourself, who do I want to be around? And you need to ask yourself if I wouldn't work with a person for a day then why would I ever work with them? Because most people, if I wouldn't work with somebody for a lifetime, why would I work with them I'm wasting my time? So you wanna be able to have some type of system to vet people, what are your core values? So for me, I look for authenticity, passion, grit, respect, empathy, empathy is a big one for me. And so it's kindness, like how would you treat someone that can do nothing for you? And a great example is of this, and then I'm gonna pass it over to Noah is we were literally just at Kava and the workers there must be making like $15 an hour. I I used to be one of them, I worked at Panera Bread. And it's long days, you're hustling, and you don't get really any pats on the back. And they were cleaning out the trash and it was like falling over as they were walking out the front door and no one noticed it and then helped the guy get the trash onto the kind of contraption he had to take it out and put it out. And those are the things, those small intangible things that I look for first above and beyond anything. And if you'll notice the people that I'm around, you could have replaced Yash in that moment or Baldo or Doza or my wife any any of the people that are really close with would have done the same thing that you did right there. And that's why I'm going to end here and say that you have finances, you have a database for your IP project management, and then people, you got to understand your people and what drives them and basically tell people, no, if. Even one of those things doesn't align with you because it's going to save you a lot of trouble in the long run. Flipping the question over to you from a legal standpoint, this is, that's one of the biggest headaches for most people. I remember starting my LLC was so overwhelming. Now I look back on, I'm like, that's, but it's such an overwhelming thing. Do you do an LLC? Do you S corp, a C corp? Do I do it in the state that I'm living in? Do I do it in Delaware where they say it's cheaper? there's so much information out there but how do you simplify that for the person that's listening to this today and is looking to start their own business
1: yeah i'm going to i'm going to start by i'm going to try to tailor it in a way where i'm add a few footnotes to things that you said in a way that makes sense i'm going to i'm going to take them in reverse order so that i can uh, remember them hopefully first is one of the things when you have the initial conversation about what the business is what you want the business to be and just some things to think about when you start to th- talk to a lawyer. CJ mentioned like, if you wouldn't do business with them for 10 years, don't do business with them for a day. That is a dynamic you need to be thinking about if you have a co-founder. If you have a co-founder, you need to treat it like a marriage. In my personal opinion, a marriage, a marriage and a prenup. It's kind of the same thing. Because what you need to do is you need to specify how disputes are going to be resolved in the event that there are disputes. Because if you don't, speaking from personal experience, Not with my a little with myself but mostly family related it can ruin relationships and it can just be really hairy and sticky and so it's really important that one the if you're going to have a co-founder be treat it as if you are going into a life relationship with that person and two even if there is um sort of that mutual trust and respect relationships change things change put together some sort of operating agreement or controlling like bylaws or some sort of agreement between the two that just diffuses tension because then everybody has an objective document that they can point to and there's not this it helps set expectations also Uh, it's something that we you and i have talked a lot about and i feel like we talk with other folks about a decent amount of when they're specifying roles in the company one of the biggest sources for tension is unmet expectations people just expect one person to do something and then that isn't done and then it just creates this thing beneath the surface that can just drive a a wedge in relationships. Another thing that you talked about right away was systemizing some of the very first things that you do. So from a legal perspective, that might look like when you're first beginning, once you start hiring folks or independent contractors, it's just having that process of whether it's a form independent contractor agreement or your onboarding documents where it's a form employment agreement, stuff like that. And then one of the things, whether once you start third parties, you should do this for yourself, too, as founders. One of the big three things that can come back to bite you in the butt, especially if you're IP focused, is everybody, including the founder, including you as a founder, should be signing what's called an IP assignment, proprietary invention assignment agreement. That what it does is any of the IP related to the company, you are assigning that to the company and that makes sure that the company owns the IP not the individual again preparing for worst case scenario where somebody gets upset they leave they take the IP with them and then your company is worth nothing but so anytime anybody's creating anything for you they should be signing um, whether they're independent contractor then it's an independent contract agreement if they're employment if they're employee then it's an employment agreement for all of those cases it needs to be a proprietary invention assignment agreement too for any IP there are, and then going back So that's again another high-level thing. Another high-level thing is when you're having the initial conversation of how to set up your entity, and that this will dovetail nicely into which entity you choose. We were talking about like money first, right? Like profit first, bringing money in. At the end of the day, you only survive and can keep the lights on if revenue is above expenses. Now, the caveat to that is one of the very first conversations I always have. As a lawyer, before I set up the entity, is one: Do you want? What are you? What are your aspirations for this business? Are you looking for venture financing, or are you looking for this to be a lifestyle business where you can sort of pull withdrawals or distributions every year, and it's how you live? You're not looking to scale it ridiculously fast. You're not going to look for outside money, VC money. If you're looking for outside VC money, it's not uncommon for a lot of those companies to be at a net, operate at a net loss mm-hmm. for a long time. And they'll set themselves up as corporations because what they do is in order to grow quickly, they deploy that capital and going, their burn rate, how much they spend each month, is gonna be an excess of their revenue. And, and frankly, if it's not, then they're not doing enough to grow, if that's their aspiration. And so a lot of the true tech companies, that's gonna be structured a little bit different. You're, you're probably gonna set that up as a corporation because you're not gonna to have to worry about double taxation because you're gonna be operating at a loss. So that takes that out of the analysis. Also, if if you're looking to attract venture capital money, they're gonna most likely require you to be a corporation because they get what's called 1202 tax treatment where you can um, can write off the first 10 million of gains on 1202 for investing in small businesses. So there are certain benefits associated with investing in a small business as a corporation that any sort of sophisticated angel investor venture capital person is gonna want. That said, it's relatively simple to start as an llc and convert i see that all the time probably in over half of the companies that i work with that they'll start as an llc um it'll start as a pass, like they'll start as something that they think could be something and then they'll end up converting or an investor will require them to convert prior to that investor putting money in that's not an issue so if you're unsure i always favor the llc now within llc I would say that's more appropriate for the true lifestyle businesses and one of the major decisions there is how should i be, and you can choose s corp c corp partnership the one that you and i have together is as a partnership and so what that allows us to do is if you operate at a loss you pass through those losses on your individual tax returns and then you can use that to deduct your taxable income if you're an s corp there are other certain tax benefits to that but you can't pass through the that revenue or those losses because that S Corp becomes a separate taxable entity. And also there are other things with S Corps, like you have to pay yourself a reasonable salary as a founder and and there are certain other things. And there there are reasons that that you would wanna do that. I wouldn't be a lawyer if I didn't give you the caveat, like also always talk to your accountant. The initial conversation happens with, it could happen with a lawyer on how to set it up, but ultimately for you and your unique tax situation, because it really depends on what you're trying to optimize for. There should always be a discussion with an accountant too, and they can weigh in on your specific situation. And so the, when you're first starting out, just to sort of close the loop on the initial conversation I have with founders is always around, okay, entity, what type of entity, where to start, you mentioned that. Uh, So the things to think about there are, Delaware is the most common far away. Not necessarily because it's cheaper. It actually turns out to be more expensive, but because if you anticipate dealing with third parties and there being disputes involved with your businesses, business or business, Delaware has far and away the most robust law interpreting disputes between businesses. So especially for lawyers, it's a lot easier for us to counsel and navigate companies based in Delaware and predict the outcome of disputes because we have this very robust set of precedent to look to outside of Delaware. It's scant and it's just one of the feedback loops, like somehow Delaware got out front and then it, it just keeps snowballing. And so these other states just don't really have that developed of a, of a business law. Now they're, they're, they're getting there. And a lot of them base it off of Delaware, but that's one of the main reasons there, why you hear so many people choose Delaware. There's just more certainty. Things are going to be interpreted, you know, what you're getting when you draft something that said we are Texas, just to use another example. The reason being is that if you do not have an established residence in Delaware and are not present in Delaware, then you have to hire a registered agent to receive service of process. Service of process is what you get when somebody wants to try to sue you. And so you have to hire somebody in Delaware to receive service of process and deliver to you in Texas. But if you live in the state that you're registered in, you don't have to do that. And so that's another couple hundred couple hundred bucks and so it's just it's it's not expensive but when you're first starting it's money that matters and that's you decide what entity where to start it and then i already talked about ip considerations you want to make sure you have a good sort of template documents when you as a founder first come in you should be signing that ip assignment into the company you should also sort if you're an llc have a general operating agreement even if you're a single member founder just because you can always It's easier to amend it if you want to bring somebody in then it often, if you don't do it at the beginning, it often gets forgotten and falls through the cracks. Other things to start to like to think about at the beginning stages are just around when you start contracting with third parties, just to make sure that if I would love for everybody to use a lawyer, but I understand it's not in a lot of startups budget. And so just things to think about. If you're somebody who decides to shoot from the hip and just roll without talking to a lawyer, obviously talk to a lawyer, I would love that. But if you, I also understand business practicality. And so things to think about, or at least look at, when you're looking at agreements with third parties, is one, what are there be indemnification provisions? And that's gonna tell you in what instances you can hold them liable and what instances you can be held liable but one of the common protections here is limiting liability to the actual dollar value of the content, and so that's always something that's super helpful and then also just making sure that you can also for a breach of it that you can come after them and that they're the limits on what they're exposed to if they do something wrong isn't too narrow that's one of the biggest ones to think about Another big one to think about. So again, going back to the IP assignment stuff, I'm gonna keep coming back to that. And also making sure that you have something written with these third parties, at least in terms, again. Can you give an example of what do you mean by third party? Yeah, so a vendor. So for instance, CJ and I have a a mobile sauna business and say that we were going to put on an event where we were going to hire somebody to be there and provide ice. So not just like a one-time, not just like an invoice where they're delivering ice, but like somebody that's going to be there and service ice for three days. Like they are going to be the vendor for three days. We would want to hire them. Like we would want to have an SOW statement of work with them. That would say that the deliverables are you're going to be at this event for three days and you're going to, you have specified parameters around how much ice they'd be expected to provide. What happens if they don't provide that ice? It's as much an expectation setting thing, as it is a a tool for recourse. Now, it, just because it again, it avoids like, they do it for two days, they don't do it for day three, and then all like all of a sudden you paid them for three days, but they didn't do it for three days. If you have a contract, you'd be like, no, look, it, three days, you didn't do it, then you can get. It's a lot easier to get that money back for that third day. But it could be anybody that you hire. It could be somebody that, it could be anybody. And obviously the higher the the dollar amount, the more important it is. I'm not saying you have to do it for every little small thing, but as you start to work up in dollar amounts, it becomes more and more important. I've just vomited a lot of information, which I I understand doesn't necessarily make it less overwhelming because I made a lot of assumptions and things I was talking about, presupposed knowledge. What did I, what questions do you have?
0: Yeah, first off, if you're getting into the business world and the entrepreneurial journey, it is going to be overwhelming. So, that's yeah. the first thing I would say. If you're listening to this, like your goal is to increase your stress tolerance and to learn more and to be vulnerable and ask questions and realize that you are going to fail. So, when with that realization and the fact that Noah just gave a ton of information, don't allow it to overwhelm you, take it bit by bit. And I, this goes with what I was saying prior to you speaking as well with the system stuff is no matter where you're at in your journey, all the principles we were just talking to you about, whether it's you're on day one or you're a million dollar business or your $10 million business, the principles are pretty much the same. So when you're speaking, when you're talking about contracts and, and vendor contracts, If you learn how to do those principles in the beginning, it's going to save you in the long run when like you mentioned ice, when we throw our own events, like we're in an event right now where I'm assuming that there's 50 different vendors. Yeah. All Mm -hmm. it's like probably 1000 square feet. There's tons of vendors. So what are the contractual agreements of that? And I love how you talked about indemnification, because I think that's something that gets, especially from the small business side, people don't Look into that. They don't mm-hmm. want to think about the bad. Like we are on, we became entrepreneurs because we want to think about positivity mm-hmm. we want to make a positive impact and nobody's ever going to hurt us. That's how I've seen most people operate. And it's something that I would say from day one, like I always, even when I was doing my consulting, like people would sign a contract. Um, now I didn't know to the extent that you do, but I had just read books and read shit happens and that's where the biggest takeaway I think for me Is put in writing. So, if you just listen to Noah and all the information that you listened to prior to that, in terms of systems for your your business, from small business to big business to business that you want to sell, like putting things in writing and holding people accountable and setting expectations is vital. Now we're getting close to. Unfortunately, we only had a thirty-minute session here today, so we're getting close to wrapping up. I think the last question I have for you, because we are at South by Southwest and there's a bunch of different people in a million different spaces. It's if I'm going to look for legal counsel, yeah. how do I do that? I think that is another overwhelming thing. It's just like what keeps people, the friction, not a lot of friction that is caused to just find a lawyer that you can trust, I feel is very high. And that's what keeps people from doing that. Rather, it's not like an Uber where I can just get an Uber And they get me from A to B pretty fucking reliably. What would your advice be for anybody out there? That's yeah, I agree with what they're saying and I don't live in Austin, so I can't talk to Noah one-on-one face-to-face. I want to talk to somebody in my surrounding area. What do they do?
1: Yeah, that's, it's getting easier, but it's still tricky. Obviously there's things like legal zoom out there that work for certain things, but it's, it can be a little too standardized and not specific enough. So I always prefer, again, it's great. For certain situations, but I always prefer that in person, in-person discussion. And the biggest rule I would say is just cause don't be afraid to ask your community or the people that you know of hey, who have you heard of anybody? Like who do you know? And you'd be surprised that just have a little humility and swallow your pride and just be able to ask for help. They're also like for example, some attorneys are starting to utilize social media and stuff more. Erica Kuhlenberg, or whatever her name is, has like millions of followers on Instagram. And she set up a company called Plugin Law, I think it is, where you go, literally on Instagram, you can go and they do the same thing as LegalZoom. And so resources are becoming more and more available like that. And honestly, it's don't be afraid to, uh, just when you find a lawyer, just be like, hey, I just wanna have a discussion, um, or I wanna ask some questions and then come to them with questions so you're not worried about being billed. And so just just reach out if you find somebody, reach out to me if you want, and it'll take me 10 minutes to answer your questions for what might take you 10 hours to try to find. So if you can just find somebody and be like, hey, I have a few questions to figure out um, if this is a good relationship or if I could use you as an attorney. And it usually goes pretty well. I will say you do have to be cautious and make sure that the people you go with know what they're talking about. But yeah, I, I, it can definitely be overwhelming and you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know where to start, then just like somebody has done it. So just ask. Yes.
0: I love that. and it's It comes down to we're, we're seven degrees of connection away from how many people. Yeah. So when you're thinking about finding a lawyer, who are the types of people that would be connected to that lawyer? Just like Noah is saying, or to that attorney, it's I find myself when I'm looking like, Right now in real estate, I'm looking to do a couple of different moves. It's, I reach out to people that have already done what I'm trying to do. And then they're the ones that connect me because they've probably failed and succeeded prior to them themselves doing it. And then they can give me a better insight into how I should go about doing it. So I love how you mentioned there, just ask, be vulnerable, put yourself out there, reach out to, where do they reach out to you at?
1: Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Noah Heisman three, or you can find me on Twitter, Noah Heisman three, or. Website now know my name. I, We're putting him out there, baby. Name. Reach out to him. The last thing I, cause I almost forgot this, but I wanted to make sure I touched on it in the same vein of just like asking people, um, for resources. Don't be afraid of that. The other thing that I find the conversation we always have is if you feel like you're stuck in business, it's because you need to ask for help. It's because you're a bottleneck in your own business. And so if you think about a pyramid and you think about you, you as the founder at the top of that pyramid once you start to feel suffocated and stuck in your business it's because i probably you need to hire somebody to be doing something that you shouldn't be doing it's going to be painful it's going to feel like you don't have the money to do it but it's the only way to flip that pyramid upside down to where you're no longer the bottleneck you're no longer the thing prohibiting the growth of your own company i see that over and over again it's a pride thing it's an ego thing but it's their baby i get it as a founder Um, You want to control and you want to tender, love, and care this thing. But if you want to continue to grow at some point, you're going to have to humble yourself and hire where you don't want to hire. Get rid of things that you don't want to get rid of or you're scared to get rid of or holding you down. Chances are if you sit with yourself and ask that question, you know what things you shouldn't be doing, but you continue to do them anyway. So humble yourself and hire it out. Wise words from a wise man that doesn't just apply to business, it
0: applies to life. At the end of the day, we all know in our gut what we must do rather than what we should be doing. So if it's hiring somebody or living a healthier and happier life, if that's what you must be doing, make sure you lean into that. That's all we have to say here today. It's been honestly, it's been a pleasure. This is super dope for me. I've been coming to South by Southwest prior to obviously everything with the pandemic, but. The two years before that i was hosting a couple of events and just to be back it's just an honor to say here with my best friend another best friend helping us film and then shout out to hibble app for making this happen and moby for for bringing me in for some fun so this is cj finley with the thrive on life podcast i love y'all thrive on